Hello, everybody. This is Kirk Henderson. I'm coming to you with a first-time guest. You should know him well, though. It is Doyle Raider of Mavs Moneyball, my co-editor at the site. Doyle, how are you tonight? Well, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I have power in Texas, so that's good. I'm really glad you have power because uh, our man Josh, we're, we're thinking of him. He does not have power and is frustrated beyond all belief. I can't imagine what it's like for those of you in North Texas and really throughout the state that is on the the power grid where you don't have it. I'm very sorry to hear it. And hopefully some of our Mavs meandering can take your mind off the fact that it's zero degrees and you may not have uh, uh, consistent access to power and cell phone grids. So what what I wanted to do tonight, I, I posted kind of a question of, you know, send me send me questions. And a lot of my followers sent, you know, really good ones. In fact, so many that I doubt we'll be able to get to them all. But I wanted to just kind of start at the top. Um, these are going to go all over the place. Uh, you know, the Mavericks aren't playing on, on Wednesday against the Pistons, so they won't play again until Friday. So really, this is just sort of, you know, Mav stuff to help you guys get through the break. So the the first question, uh, and, and this man here actually asked like five questions and we'll see how many we get to during this um frank uh i apologize if i'm butchering your name baeza uh, at frankie b underscore 89 asks do you notice anything different in luca's shooting lately or is he just hot what do you think is a sustainable shooting line for luca right now Ooh, it's a good, good question, question. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I was actually, like, going back and looking at some of, uh, you know, and watching some of what Lucas said after games um, yesterday and today. He shocks it up to just getting his legs under him and, you know, at least in part. And I really feel that that can be a thing because he did start off the season a little sluggish. He was a little slow. And he even admitted that, like, he needed to get back into game shape. So, you know, I don't see that he's, like, really has – any kind of different release or anything. I'm also not like a shot doctor, nor whatever try and pretend to be. Sure. But yeah, but he's he looks like he's finally around himself into game shape, and so he's just he, he's frankly he's just in a groove, man. Like he's shooting what I I think I was looking at it, like 46 percent on threes right now. Uh, for the month, he's he's up to a ridiculously high, like ridiculously high number for where he's been. Um, yeah, I was I was just looking at the, like the last five games, and I think it was around forty six, which is, <laughs> which is just absolutely insane. Right, right. I think yeah. it was fellow fellow or former editor in chief Tim Cato, and then Josh also noted this that if Luca's hitting threes, the Mavericks should be unbeatable. He is an unstoppable player. I will say that what I think is that his his balance and patience are really really coming into form to where it's it's almost laughable there was a moment against the trailblazers where he had stopped in the middle of the key and was holding the ball over his head and somebody was swiping at the ball from behind and it didn't bother him at all like the the portland defender hit the ball twice didn't move out of his hands and then he just dished the ball to gosh i can't remember who it was but it was an incredible like multi-pump and then just dish for a layup and I use that as an example about his shot because he's so strong. And I think his base is really, really strong right now to where he's able to get off his shot in a way that looks rather effortless and that was just not the case as the season wore on last year because strength and conditioning is a is a really a long-term effort thing. 
And I believe his mid-range shots are really uh, should be kind of indicative for his future performance from the three-point line. I mean, I doubt he's going to shoot like this, but if he could even get up to 35%, it makes him much harder to defend. And, and you know, the free throws are looking better. Like, his shot is improving. In terms of, of really what a sustainable shooting line is for him, I really would love to see him be at 50% from two-point range. League average from three-point range, which is just kind of at about 35%. And then if he was able to hit like 82 to 84% of his free throws, he'd be a surefire, like top four MVP candidate year in and year out. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good estimation of where he can get. And I think uh, what you just said about his patience, like I've, I've noticed that a lot in his recent games. He just slows everything down. Like it's, I don't know. It's it's weird watching because he just kind of like stops play, but he's still so active and finds his teammates and then finds his shot. Yeah, and, and his mm-hmm. mid-range shooting is just – I mean, he's hitting like Dirk shots, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I mean, really funny you know, there's watch. that great picture where he's literally hitting the Dirk shot on the Dirk like silhouette on the court, but like, yeah. I think 50% of his twos, I think, is definitely something he can do because he does get into the paint enough to where he can convert at a high percentage. League average or so, three-point shooting. Free throws, he's he's streaky on free throw shooting, so we'll just have to see. But, yeah, I think if he can hit in the 80s, I think that's a gold mine for the team. His shot does, like, it. this might just be me, just recency bias, but I feel more comfortable watching his free throw than I have in some time because it just there was there was points in his rookie year where he would just go cold, and that actually happened earlier this year where at one point I remember like one game where he was like three of eight from the line. Like it's it, it is going to be a process for him because a lot of that is is mental and then also cardio because he just he has to be in good physical shape. And the fact that he's playing more minutes this year kind of worries me on the one end because I think he's playing too much. But then on the other point, if he's able to play 38 minutes a game, it's showing that he's really making signs in his conditioning. And that's just going to be that's going to be the make or break thing for him in terms of how like what his ceiling is for the NBA pass shooting. Um, All right. So we had a number of questions that were all kind of interrelated. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to read off the people who sent me into them. We have Fra- our man, Frank, again, then we have uh, Gabriel at JG Gomes uh, on Twitter. And then um, Sean Payne, Sean underscore Payne 23. They, they essentially ask questions of what in the world is going on with the defense and what do we think can be done to fix it? And I'll just start by saying if if we knew what could fix it for real, then Doyle and I wouldn't be doing this for fun. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's absolutely right. We'd be doing it for millions of dollars every year. <laughs> so that aside, that aside, let's take our, our long lengthy, you know, our, our we've watched basketball and played basketball for a long time. What do you think? What do you think the problem is at the moment? And then what do you think the solution is? Well, I mean, the problem is everyone is just getting beat. <laughs> like, there is not a player out there. Like, you know, you know, like Dodo's my guy. He gives he gives effort out there, but he's one guy. Like, 
Maxi used to be a second guy, but I think COVID really messed with him because he does mm-hmm. not look right. Uh, Luca, for whatever reason, like has kind of well, I guess the reason is he's having having to carry the team offensively, so he can't really focus his energy on defense like he was earlier on in the season. You know, before COVID hit everybody. Uh, Richardson hasn't really looked right. Uh, Porzingis, I know that's a big sticking point for you. He can't move laterally. He's he's not altering shots at the rim like he was last season when he was like finally rounded into shape and was healthy. Uh, I I don't know how healthy he is. He says he's still finding his groove, and I tend to believe that because it it's a process. Uh, you know, but yeah, no one can keep their guy in front of them, and when they do, they're other teams are exploiting the fact that they switch constantly, which is fine. I think this is a team that has, you know, the wherewithal to be able to switch. They're just not doing it well. And so they're leaving opponents wide open here and there and everywhere. Like, it's, it, it's so much. It literally is so much. I, Rick Carlisle is going to earn his paycheck with this one. It's really it's it's really tough to say what the 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 core problem is because all the problems are related when you really start talking about it. I I would say that big picture fifty thousand foot view, the problem is four people got COVID. The the then you drill down a little bit further because of both COVID and because of a COVID induced you know protocol based season, the Mavericks are not getting much practice time. Then the third reason when you drill down further is, you know, a, a couple of these guys like Richardson are, are new. And then you you drill down even further. And the Mavericks, starting with Chris Stapps Porzingis, uh, who, who needs to be the linchpin of the defense, and he is the linchpin of the defense, do not communicate. Uh, we have a piece up by the time this runs on Thursday. We had a piece up today from Ms. Doc Franco who, who really breaks down a number of the data points. But then he shows just some gifts, uh, and there was a, a play against Portland where um, Damian Lillard rejects the screen, and it's very obvious that he rejects the screen. Uh, KP says nothing, and Richardson is sitting there expecting a screen, and because he's sitting there, Dame just blows past him for a dunk, and you see Richardson yell at Porzingis. Porzingis is a trash can of a communicator right now. Um there's really no other way to to describe it. He's not. I, I wonder if he just doesn't understand that that's his role. Like there's hasn't been enough of of, of uh, practice with him. Then then you really get into the specifics of what you're talking about, which is every single Maverick gets beat off of a single dribble move. I feel like it's been this way for three seasons now. There's not a single guy yeah. that I, I could I feel like just can't like. It's like how how does that happen? How do you get beat by by Derek Jones Jr. on a single dribble? How do you get beat by by the I can't remember the guy's name, but it was he's a younger he's a younger trailblazer, not named Dame, who just abused the Mavericks at, at, at a certain point in time, and and I don't you know it, it's all these things tend to become like they're they're linked in one big circle, and I don't know really you know where the starting point is, but that that's that's their problems in a nutshell. Um, the solution for me, as far as I've been able to figure out by talking to smart people. Is number one, they absolutely need to drop drop coverage. If you're if you're unclear what drop coverage is, it's where Porzingis or whoever the big is 
stays kind of when a screening roll happens at the top of the key or on the side, they play closer to the basket and they're playing a percentage. And they're basically hoping that whoever is the ball handler takes a lower percentage shot than something at the rim. It's not been working for, for the Mavericks when Porzingis is in. Uh, according to Second Spectrum data, which Matt Moore at the Action Network has access to, the Mavericks are giving up some, almost nine points more per 100 possessions when they run drop with Porzingis. When they run uh, switch everything, which I know they don't want to do with Porzingis because they don't want him out there on the perimeter, they're actually playing a little bit better. So I, I think that that has to be a short-term solution until they figure out either how to adapt their drop coverage, which is kind of a dying defense, uh, or, or the, you know, they that just seems to be it because what they're doing is not, not working. I mean, it is awful right now. You know, I wonder, because, you know, Carlisle's leaned on it in the past, if they'll we'll start seeing a bit more zone from the team. That I'd at least like to see it, but it involves communication, and the communication like right. there's that. Do you were were you at the Golden State the first Golden State Warriors game where Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. turned around? Yeah, that's the one where Kelly Oubre scored uh, forty points. I was definitely in the building for that. Yeah, it, it was it was something weird where it's just like where Hardaway got you know turned around like three times on the zone and didn't really know, didn't really know. Um, know what the case would be well i i think we've kind of beat that one home and and that's really going to be kind of the focus until the mavericks can get out from the bottom of the basement in terms of being a defensive team so our next question which which i like was from sam whose handle is italian sap which made me laugh (laughs) he said looking at the team as presently constructed no trades can this team be a top eight team in the West, or are we looking at a play-in situation? I love this question. What do you think? You know, I think this this team can be a top eight team in the West. I think they're good enough. Luke is good enough. Uh, I really don't think they're going to be this bad for the rest of the season as they are mm-hmm. right now. Like, give give Porzingis a month and see where he is then. I know that, you know, everyone's throwing up the urgency flags on him, and rightfully so. But we saw what he did in the bubble. He went crazy. Like, and that was the healthiest we've probably seen him on the Mavericks. And if he can get anywhere back to a semblance of that, him and Luca, like, look at the, like the, look at the Pelicans game. Him and Luca just went off. Mm-hmm. Even was still terrible, but... You can't stop this team if both of them are dropping over 35 points. Like, and they have, they have, are perfectly capable of doing it. Get the role players like going. Like, maybe Hardaway actually gets hot for a good streak, not just you know for a quarter or two. And like, yeah, I think it's totally possible. They're gonna, like we've been talking about, they have clearly plenty of issues they need to clean up. But are they a playoff team? I think they can definitely be a playoff team, and not just a play-in team. Hmm. I'm I'm really so. By the time this airs, yesterday I talked with Ben Collins and and I said something to the effect of who would want to play the Mavericks in a playing game, and the answer is precisely no one for exactly what you just described because they are talented enough to be horrifying. They have to figure out some sort of consistency. The team as constructed, if if we are really you know big picturing, they're not that different than last season. 
with the exception of this these COVID problems. So I think there's something to what you're saying to where they should be a top eight team. But this is like the season is just relentless. And so I, I'm not willing to, to bank on it other than to say I agree with the notion. And, I, you know, as constructed, they, they should be better than they are. And there's some there's some regression to the mean coming uh, before January 15th. The Mavericks were the like essentially like a top four defensive team. And then after January yeah. 15th, they've been like bottom three in the league. And a lot of that can be can be looked at, you know, not just like they are playing bad defense. We just talked about it. But opposing teams went from shooting like 31 percent on open threes to 42 percent on open threes. And it's been such a wild reversion to where at some point it has to settle in the middle. I mean, and maybe it won't this season because three point defense is really is kind of a mirage. A lot of it is really based on luck and just hoping teams miss. Um but it, 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 I could see it going a couple of different ways in terms of how, like, where they would end up in the playoffs. So it's, or in like the playoff chase, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. Oh man, we've got some really, I, I, I really like these questions. Oh man, they're great. A, I'm loving them. This is a tough one, and and I've talked about it with Josh, and I don't think you've ever had to answer this. At Jason underscore Luca Goat. If you can be the general manager of the Mavs and go back in time, what would you do different? Now let's couch that and say in the like Luka Doncic era. Okay, because I was about to go back to like the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> you first. Oh well, uh, in the eighties, I mean, well, okay, uh, you draft Charles, you draft Charles Barkley. That's that's what you do. Fair enough. Let's do the let's do the Luca era though. What do you think they could have done differently the last three plus years? I mean, I, I think it's a running story is that they just outside of like Luca and that draft, and they got Brunson too, and Brunson's proven to be mostly solid this year. He's still streaky. Um, they don't care about the draft and they really don't care that much about free agency outside of like plan B, plan C stuff. Like mm-hmm. I liked for the most part, the free agency they had this past summer uh, because I have incredibly low expectations for what they do. Okay. <laughs> you know, like look at what the Lakers did. They went out and got like all of the like elite role players and the Lakers are an even better team than they were last year, even with injuries, and they won the championship. You know, our our friend Anthony will like to gloat about that to us constantly. Uh, I, I like Josh Richardson. I don't know what what he is though, because yep. I looked. I like him, but like I looked since he came back from COVID. I was looking at this this morning. He's pretty much a bellwether for if the team wins or loses, like if he scores in single digits, all, all but one of the losses that the Mavericks have had since he's come back, he's scored single digits. There was one game he scored 24 points and they lost. Mm-hmm. That's an outlier. If he scores double digits, they win. Except for that one outlying game. I thought yeah. he would have a bit more of a role. I still like him as a player. He just needs to be integrated in. I think COVID's still playing with it. But if that's that's the key addition, 
from this offseason? I mean, we could look back in time, and that's, you know, obviously what this question's asking. I don't even know where to start with all that. Because the Mavericks just, they just do stuff. And, like, it's not always good or bad. Most of the time, it's just kind of like treading water. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would like say. Like, getting rid of Jay Crowder, you know, mm. that sucked. But, like, Jay still can't really hit threes consistently. Like, he's basically who who he was on the Mavericks, just better paid and has a lot more experience under his belt now. Yeah, I mean, the draft is kind of a whole beast into itself, where if you go back to, like, Dirk forward, they, they cared about the draft. You know, they, they did well in the draft in 1999. They did well in the draft, or 1998, rather. They did well in the draft when Josh Howard and Marquise Daniels were part of a team. They did well right. when uh, Devin Harris joined the team. And then after that, it's kind of a long, dark, sad, upsetting road until Luka Doncic. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Like, Luka and Brunson are the only, like, what, Luka's the only first-round draft pick they have on, on the team, and Brunson's mm-hmm. the only second-round draft pick they've drafted recently. That's hey, we got, our, we, we, we got our man from this year. We got our man, Josh Green. He's right, on right, this year, this year. I know what you mean. But, yeah. I know what you mean. So beyond so, beyond rookies for for me, the answer has to be in the summer of after Rook, Luca's rookie year. So they, they made the move for for Porzingis uh, in f- like late January, early February 2019. Then they traded away Harrison Barnes and they had a number of opportunities. So they had Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba and Kristaps Porzingis that were up for new contracts. and. What they traded for in Porzingis was very important in that they had what's referred to as the bird rights, and they had bird rights for all three of these players. So essentially they were going to be able to do sign people in a specific order where they had the ability to go over the cap to keep those players. Josh and I were so furious that summer in that the Mavericks, again, because Mark Cuban didn't go over the salary cap, I don't think, until this year, which they are right now, they didn't go over the salary cap for almost nine seasons following the 2012 title. I could be wrong about some of the specifics, so I apologize if I am, but they really haven't gone over the cap in at least five years. That I know for a fact. And so what I, what we were really hopeful for was that they would kind of overpay to get guys to come to Dallas to surround Luca with more. And this was before we knew Luca was going to be like essentially an all NBA player. We just like the Dallas Mavericks need to do more. They cannot wait until the summer of 2021. We're raging about this because the Mavericks have a very frustrating tendency to treat every, every situation as binary. And what I mean by that, it's either the Mavericks or it's not the Mavericks, which is extremely stupid because there are 29 other teams in the league. Right. And what, what we had hoped for was that they had just, like padded their depth, you know, like make Danny green, a godfather offer, like pay him $19 million a year. Who cares? And they just wouldn't do it. And and so instead they signed, you know, Seth Curry, who, who ended up being a value signing Boban, who was, you know, who is still on the team and is essentially a mascot as much as I love the guy. And then uh, who else did they sign? Because he's on the roster right now. Um, what is wrong was, with my Powell brain? Part of that, Powell was the year before, which is also a little bit of a mistake because who's paying like paying a non-shooting, non-defending power forward eleven million dollars a year for four years was a mistake. 
And, you know, when you have a rookie contract, it's just like in the NFL where you can afford to make mistakes if you have the guy. The challenge that the Mavericks have right now is that they, they have created a team that benefits when all the pieces are clicking just so. And if they aren't, then they're playing 500 basketball. So, so I think that would be you know, my answer to the question is to just go back in time and figure out some way, some way to, to increase the depth to where the Mavericks don't have, you know, quite so many guys, you know, the fact that they rely on Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, like uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., all those guys are second round or undrafted picks. The NBA survives on talent. Porzingis and Luca can't be the only first round picks in your roster. And that, you know, and, and Josh Green, of course, but that's, that's just kind of where they are right now. It's, it's, it's very frustrating to me. Um, right. And uh, I, I want to add ahead. one more little, little, little piece of that. They also just completely squandered uh, the trade exception they got from Harrison Barnes. They let all yeah. of that money just expire. They didn't yes. do a damn thing with it. Just let yeah. it expire. It was what? 11 something million dollars mm-hmm. of trade exception nothing nothing well so now we have you know a list of questions which all sort of figure things like that are all related to to you know different aspects of trades but this one i really i really enjoy and we got time for probably two more so uh at Great. uh moma uh, i'm gonna butcher your name my man i'm sorry moma Kuma Kumakura asks the Mavs once had the guts to not re-sign Nash. Would they have the guts to trade Kristaps Porzingis? What do you think? Oh, uh, I mean, it was this last off season. The team said, or was reportedly said that uh, everyone but Luca and Porzingis is available. They made a huge investment in Porzingis to the tune of $158 million over, what, five years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're ready to cut and run with that yet. I know a lot of fans are, and I get it. I don't really have a bead on what the team feels like, but also like this is a weird season being in person covering the team because you're not really in person and not really around them. So you don't really get a whole lot of body language. And so like, that's kind of where I pick up on things. I'm not like Tim McMahon or Mark Stein. They they have the real sources. I don't, I'm just in the locker room too. Sure. You know? And so you can kind of like glean it information that way but uh i don't know i think i think luke is the only untradeable on the team yeah, that's, that's what about, i think too i think anyone else you know they gotta go something better comes along they gotta go like it's this is luca this is a luca team like you do this team revolves around him he is the sun Everything else is just the planets. You know, blast off these planets or something. Get the space force involved. I don't care. Cuban, Cuban knows some people. But like, yeah. Porzingis, I'm not ready to give up. But if something comes along, I, I wouldn't be sad to see him go. 
It's very, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely ready to trade him. Um, the, the injury concerns surrounding Porzingis do not dis- get discussed near enough. And to see he's had 13 lower body injuries in his career, maybe this most recent one was 14. So that, that in and of itself should be alarming to anyone. This doesn't get easier. Uh, our, our man, Jordan Burdess, at one point made the, made the, the astute observation of because Porzingis is always injured, he has not finished a season healthy ever. Okay, people, ever. He is in his sixth year. Um, he is at least year, it might be his fifth season, but it's sixth year. Um, he's never finished the season healthy, which means he is never able to add something to his game because he is constantly coming back from injury. At a certain point, if he looks good and you feel the return is even remarkably okay, I think the Mavericks have to pull the trigger because I think he's going to get hurt again. It is not a question of when. It is a question of if. Because right now he's playing, or I'm sorry, I, I screwed that up. It's the other way around. It, it is a question of, of, of when, not if. It, it, it's going to happen. I, I just, I hope it doesn't. I would love to be wrong. It's, it's just very scary for me at the moment watching that man move around because part of what made him so electric was his straight line athleticism, his ability to recover, his ability to flash, to dunk, to dive, to rebound. And he's not doing that at all. And I don't see it coming back, uh, not while he's playing like this. So I think they would they would need to do it because you know, Luka Doncic is is a generational player in terms of raw talent that not even Dirk was. Uh, that doesn't mean he's going to have the same kind of career that Dirk would, but in terms of of what he's capable of, people weren't talking about Dirk as a potential Hall of Famer when he was twenty one. That happens with Luca, uh, so it's it that that's just that's just kind of where I am with that. That that may be too much. I'm probably being too silly, but I I'm just I'm just you know kind of frustrated by it. Um, let me see here. What else do we have? Because we've just got a lot of questions. You know, we've we've talked about the defense. We've talked about um, you know, uh, different players on the roster. So here's the last one. I think we'll just kind of end with this because some of the other questions are so specific. I don't want to inadvertently like screw something up. Tyler Edsel um, asks, how many trades do you think the Mavs make by the deadline? And do you think there are any big moves? Just a trade question. Do you think they do anything or do you think they hang out? Um, man, it's tough because I, you never really get a bead on what the Mavericks are going to do. Like, they're such a secretive organization. Yeah. But I, I think that they could have I, – I think they need to make a trade. I don't yep. think it needs to be a big, like, swing for the fences trade. But I think they need to, like, bolster their bench a bit um, just because you, you're not getting a whole lot of consistency. Like, when Hardaway is, like, your best consistent guy off the bench, that's, that's problematic. Uh, I think they need another ball handler. Because Trey Burke's kind of fallen out of the rotation, which I don't know why. I like Trey, but his defense. It's just, yeah, yeah uh, that that's true. He does not guard, but like none of them do. You might as well get, <laughs> see if he can get hot, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see them do something. Like James Johnson hasn't really worked out that well, but I don't know. He's a he's a tradable contract because it's expiring. Um. I don't know. I think they can pull something, but it's not going to be like 
outrageous. It's not going to be Andre Drummond, which I know there's still a, a bunch of people that want. God forbid that ever happen. We we won't hear the end of it from from our friend Mort, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, I think I think there's something there that they can move. It's just don't yeah don't expect to be groundbreaking. Don't expect to be crazy. But if they can get a player that like can come in and get them like eight points off the bench and play like decent defense, I think they should go for it. Yeah, yeah, I think that they do something because if you've noticed their rotation, they're down to playing like seven and a half dudes, and the vibe yeah, in the they've shortened it up so much, and that's that takes a toll. Like that takes a huge toll. Like Carlisle likes playing you know, nine to ten and a half guys giving people minutes and they're playing so poorly that he can't do that. Um they 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 have they have to win some games. So my I, I think they do something just to maybe figure, you know, give different guys a chance because almost every every offseason acquisition or re-signing like hasn't worked out in a consistent way. You know, like Trey's had his moments, Willie Collie Stein has his moments. Wes Awundu is is perhaps a bottom ten player in the league uh in terms of his statistical output. It's been really remarkable. Um Boban, as much as the fan base loves him, is unplayable. I don't think they trade him just because I think he's kind of one of the good locker room vibe guys. But it's it's oh, really, and Luca loves it. Yeah, yeah, and Lu- and Luca Love ends up mattering a lot because Courtney Lee came back on a on a contract and no small answer because Luca loved him um, on yep. a, on a training camp invite. And so, no, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I, you're right in that we will know nothing, and I just can't emphasize that enough. There are people and accounts and rumor mongers who spread their noise, and they're all wrong every fucking time. And and the only people to listen to are Mark Stein and then Tim McMahon. To an extent, you know, uh, I do believe that that our that our friend of the, the the podcast, Brad Townsend, has his sources. But it's it's just the Mavericks operate, you know, real G's move in silence. Like this is not like it, it's just not something that's coming. It's it's very and so I do think something will happen though. I I, I think that's that's kind of the way this will this will be going. Um. Well, I don't want to keep you too much further. We're recording on Tuesday night. I'm probably not going to post this one until late Wednesday night. So for people who are normies, they will get this in their podcast feed on Thursday. Um, You know, Doyle came on here last minute. I appreciate you coming on, Doyle. Josh and I will actually try to have you on again. But you are a grinder. You're the Mavs Moneyball representative who goes to the games. So we need to give you a break somehow. Um, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug? Because you know you also write for Forbes beyond Mavs Moneyball. Do you have anything going on that you would like to to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, I guess I I, I uh, posted a story today on on Forbes. Um, you know, I linked it. You know, on my Twitter, which is the Kobe Beef, uh, just about how Luca can't really carry the team by himself. Like he can only take him so far. And second, so I, I I you know surface level like did a dive onto kind of a lot of what we've talked about tonight about like just the role players and Porzingis not really being consistent enough and Luca having to do it all. And, uh, you know, it's come out in what they've, you know, said in post game interviews and stuff. And I dropped some quotes in there. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on recently. Um, yeah, I'll say this, like 
as much of a grind as it is going to the games this season because they are literally like every other day. I can only imagine what it, I can only imagine what it's like to be a player and like have to deal with this because like oh my gosh, it is ridiculous. I have a full time job and I do this on top of that, and these guys are just no practice at games constantly. Yeah, right. It's, it's right. a wild season. I've I've never experienced anything like this. Well, I hope we never do again. Oh, right. Well, again, guys, this has been uh, Kirk Henderson and Doyle Raider. We're out here with, uh, I think I'm going to post this under the banner of uh, Kirk, your enthusiasm again. But it doesn't really matter because we're all in the same feed. As always, guys, I've been asking you to go rate and respond. You know, do, leave us a review. You know, some of the reviews that I've read on Apple are just fantastic. Like people who hate me, I, I respect that uh but that sort of stuff really helps us in terms of growing our audience so if you could do you know any sort of uh you know review five star four star one star i don't care just tell me you know leave us a written review it's wonderful um we will be back i'm going to try if i can pin him down um i've been my my friend uh, seth part now who works at the athletic i'm going to try to pin him down for a podcast that will go up before the friday morning game uh, we'll see if I can actually pull that off. But uh, if you don't hear that, then Josh and I will be back with you, assuming Josh has power for the Friday night game and assuming that the Mavericks actually play on Friday. This is a wild, weird world we're in. So, um, again, this has been Kirk and Doyle with uh, you know, Kirk, your enthusiasm. Thank you for hanging out. <laughs> <laughs>